Did you call bank? I call game. <laughs> Welcome back to Calling Bank. Will, we are in US of A. We are in America. We've had a big week of basketball. Huge. I would say. Some would say this is going to be the biggest episode yet, Harry. Well, I think it might even be two episodes. We haven't quite figured it out because yep. there's a lot of games to get through. We've also got the trade deadline. We've also got the all-star selections. We've got Kobe's memorial game. There's a lot to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've currently been on a whirlwind tour around America. Yep. Um, we're going to go through some of the games that we went to. So Lakers and Portland, of course, which was Kobe's memorial mm-hmm. game, which we saw last week. We've got Houston Pelicans. We've got Pelicans Bucks. We've got Clippers Heat. We've got Lakers Houston. And we have the interviews we have. We have LeBron. We have AD. We have Dame Lillard. James all the, Harden, all the Zion, sorry. Giannis. We've got everyone. So stay tuned for a very big episode. Because I don't know what more to say, except it has been a week in basketball. It has Absolutely. been one of the craziest weeks that I can remember at the very I least. I mean, everyone thought this trade deadline was going to be quiet. And then a few teams did some things that we said, wow. And that was it. Um, Will, let's start off with Kobe's memorial game. Yeah, so that's, last that's, Friday, that's the funny. first game, well, it wasn't really the memorial game in the sense that they've got a memorial on the 24th of February at Staples Centre. Mm-hmm. But this week game, it was the first game post the death of Kobe Bryant for the Lakers at home. Yes. My goodness. So Usher comes out. So we're sitting in the stands and Usher's coming out. The entire place is packed to the brink. Not an empty seat in the house. Not an empty seat. There's the Kobe jerseys on every seat. The somber mood in the centre is like something I have never seen. Like when we got to LA, Mm. you could see it was a town in mourning. Yes, absolutely. Um, And the game, you know, Usher comes out, he sings Amazing Grace. Boys to Men sing the national anthem. Mm. You have LeBron doing a speech and the tribute with the violin. Yes. I I mean, mean, you you started crying. I was crying. Look, I'm not going to deny it. It was one of the most moving experiences I've had at a sporting match for sure. But just as a memorial to someone. Yeah. It was insane, and and then seeing the, the, the LeBron, Lakers, then the LeBron speech as of well, course. which um, which I thought, you know, him throwing away the cards and just kind of speaking from the heart, yeah, which was quite fitting, I think, for the event, and kind of shows you how much LeBron and Kobe, well, what Kobe meant to LeBron. Exactly. Before we get into the game, though, we did we did speak to Frank Vogel, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James about a little bit about you know what it meant to them playing on this night, what it meant to them. Um, you know, to to play with Kobe's memory. Um, so we have we had a chat with Frank Vogel um, about wanting to win, and then you know um, how that played out, and the emotions before the game, and, and what it means to be part of the Lakers family. So let's let's have a listen to what he had to say. Um, we all wanted to win this game really bad, but our guys, I couldn't be more proud of how hard they played. You know, they've endured a lot this week. Uh, it was a heavy and emotional night. Um, you know, from the tribute all the way throughout the game. You know, we felt it. And uh, our guys poured their guts out, out there. Yeah, so I couldn't be more, I mean, we're disappointed we didn't get the win, but I couldn't be more happy and more proud of, uh, you know, our guys' effort and, uh, you know, and their performance. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very emotional. You know, I mean, our guys were teared up going into the, uh, you know, to, into the jump ball. And, um, you know, you could just you, just, you just felt it the whole night. You know, you want to give maximum effort, but you know we we uh, you know we had a difficult week. You know, and um, a situation like that, you know, all you ask for your guys is to put forth maximum effort. You know, and and try to lock in as best you can mentally. Um, you know, and they did that, and they did it at a high level. They ran into the hottest hottest player in the NBA, who just shot the shot the lights out. 
tonight. And then when he um, when we brought double teams throughout the night, uh, he was able to find guys. Whiteside goes 13 for 14, and shooters got it going. Uh, had some good stretches, and um, you know, you tip your hat to put on the Trailblazers. Who played a great game. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, you, and we're a family, and um, you know, we we become this 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 current group has become a, a family very rapidly. Uh, by NBA standards, and um, you know, we all shared this this week, and we all were on that plane to hear that news. And um, you know, I want to give everybody an opportunity to contribute in this game. Uh, we spoke to Anthony Davis and LeBron. So Anthony Davis spoke a little bit, bit about how he how he felt before the game and the the memories that he had with Kobe. Whereas LeBron, I mean, you heard him as well. He showed his appreciation for for Kobe and what Kobe meant, that Mamba mentality. Mm. Um, so let's have a listen to what they had to say all about Kobe Bryant. Um, me personally, um, anxious, um, nervous, um, you know, just seeing everything, you know, all the decals on the floor, um, knowing what tonight was going to be. You know, it was just, you know, an emotional game, you know, for all of us. Obviously, you know, we want to do our best to, to make him proud. Um, I think the first game was going to be emotional for us regardless. Um, but, you know, it was just an emotional day, just knowing coming in that, you know, someday we're going to, you know, face this night and, and play. Um, and for me, it was just, I'm just trying to, Play as hard, hard as I can, and just knowing, you know, you know that's what he would want me to do, and try my best and to, to make him proud. You know, just, you know, just basically showing our appreciation for what he did for us growing up. You know, so me wearing the oversized jersey, me wearing the wristband, me wearing the finger sleeve, um, me wearing his shoes, just showing the appreciation and the love that he gave us way before he knew us and then when he got when we got an opportunity to actually um, you know be competitors and become brothers um, you know so you know that's what it was pretty much all about uh, for me it's like I said the, the memory that I always you know have is my time with him in the Olympics uh, the first time I met him and I never forget um, we were playing Nigeria, and Brian probably remember. I think we were winning by like 60 or something like that. And I finally got my chance to go in the game. And um, I was just so happy to be around all these guys, you know, all these future Hall of Famers. And um, I forgot to put my jersey on for the game. And so when Coach K called me to get in the game, um, I'm going up to the table and I'm, I'm about to take my warm-up shirt off. And I look down and it's just a white T-shirt underneath. Um, and so I kind of creep back to the bench, and Coach K asked me, like, what are you doing? And I kind of whispered to him, kind of want these guys to hear me. And I, I, I forgot my jersey, and I go sit down. And um, Kobe like, got on me, like, I can't say what he said, but, you know, basically, like, why are you not going to the game? This is your chance. And I was like, Man, I don't got my jersey on. And he, it's a picture where he's, like, kind of looking into my warm-up. And... He said some more things after that. And I was like, so now before every game, I kind of just check to make sure I got my jersey on to this day. Um, and so, you know, he told me how to get dressed for a game, basically. Yeah, so I mean, like, that that was pretty moving, to be honest. Yeah, and was- um, I think for me, 
I mean, aside of all the emotion, obviously there was a game to be played as well and both teams had to go out and try and give their all. I mean, I found it very difficult because, you know, one of the more amazing things you saw in that game is when they're announcing the starting lineup for the Lakers, yeah. everyone was Kobe Bryant yeah. as well, which was pretty cool. Number 24, 6'6, Kobe Bryant. 20 year career. Yeah, it was great. Um, let's speak about the actual game because Dame, yeah. Dame Lillard went off on a huge win. Obviously, the mm. Lakers wanted to win this, but I mean, LeBron just didn't look like he was in it. When your entire starting lineup, your entire team yeah. is crying before the start of the game. Like Vogel said it, he wanted to get everyone in the game. It, it was more about emotions than actually winning a game of basketball, yeah. I think. Um, what were your takeaways from this game? I mean, honestly, this was this was after the Ariza trade, obviously, for the Blazers. Yeah. But I think with the Blazers, with all the injuries they've got at the moment, they're employing, effectively have no backup centre. No, and um, they were without Melo as well for this game. Which, exactly. You know, it makes a difference. So the starting debut for Wayne and Gabriel. Who um, actually did quite well. I mean, not on the stat line, but defensively. Defensively, he caused some problems. He had with a his block length. to start off with. Like, I think he kind of made a difference. The thing is, at the start of the game, it was Anthony, the Anthony Davis show. It, yeah, it was. I mean, 18 points in the first quarter, taking advantage of those smaller power forwards and centres in Swanigan and Gabriel. The only thing that kept Portland in it was the three point shooting. Yep. Lillard, Little, CJ. Um, but Lillard in particular, I mean, 13 points in that first quarter kind of offset the Davis. Uh, Explosion, I would say. Um, Effectively, Portland up by one at quarter time. Yeah, and I think this is the difference with the Lakers this year, which is what everyone was going to know. I'm not saying anything new here, Will, but Mm. what I'm saying is that when LeBron's not kicking, now you have AD. When AD's not kicking, you have LeBron. But the issue that I've found with the Lakers is that when LeBron's not kicking, you generally still can't win games. AD, as phenomenal as he is, he couldn't win the game for the Lakers today. No, no. And I, and I think that the, the game actually really turned. The third quarter was really the turning point. I mean, the second quarter... It's, it's always that third quarter. The third quarter seems to... I don't know what happens when they drink at halftime, the Gatorade at halftime makes the a the Bugs Bunny juice, exactly. I think, is what they drink. That's exactly it's right. It's revitalising. Um, I mean, the second quarter was just a bunch of runs that were counted by the other team, and the Lakers continued to dominate on the boards. But the third quarter really was the difference because it was Damian Lillard's show. It was. Uh, Damian Lillard scored 23 points in that quarter. <laughs> he was 42-8-8 eight and eight the third. Um, got some crazy four-point play. Slam dunk over JaVale McGee. That was just insane. Yeah, that um, was one of the highlights of the entire night. And Blazers up seven at three-quarter time. And you know what? Le- LeBron and the Lakers, when they go into the fourth with a lead, they, ne- they haven't lost a single game. When they go in without a lead, it's a different... Different story. Um, Can I just say with that, though, I think at that point we were looking at it and we're like, Damian Lillard could probably go for 60 points. Without Damian Mm. Lillard, Portland are probably one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, I just respectfully disagree, but... You think without Damian Lillard, they're better than, like, okay, Warriors Warriors pre-injuries. Yeah, I think they're better than them. I think they're better than them. I think CJ will do something. Oh, yeah, like he did in this game? Well, CJ didn't do that much in this game. He did nothing this game. It was literally the Whiteside and Dame Lillard show. And we haven't even spoken about Whiteside, but he absolutely annihilated. Whiteside was great. Whiteside especially, I think the fourth quarter is where you really saw the Whiteside show because Mm. it was him and Dame. Yeah. uh, And they continue. I mean, Dame only ended up with 48 points, only only 48 points, I say. (laughs) Uh, Six points only in that fourth quarter. But really, Whiteside, fadeaway jumper, Dirk-esque, in the last minute and a half when the Lakers are kind of closing in on the game. Look... Blazers, in the end, pulled off a game that I didn't think they would win, given no, the but, team they've rolled out. But I think that's why Whiteside is such a good fit when Dame is hot. Because when Dame is hot, you've got two people drawn out, 
it gives Whiteside the option. It means there's, a, there's someone open all the time. And especially when Whiteside is so efficient around the basket, it makes a big difference. Yep. Um, I think Lillard was unstoppable. But in saying that, the Lakers were meant to win that game in the sense like yep. the memory of Kobe. LeBron looked out of it. Yep. The whole game, he looked out of it. Quinn Cook could barely play. Like People were crying. The atmosphere there wasn't about basketball. Really, yeah. it shouldn't have been a basketball game. It should no. have just been the tribute there and then because uh, it was a weird game. Suffice to say, Lakers went on a two-game winning streak after that. Yeah. But still, it was... It was. I feel as though every player was a little bit uncomfortable after that kind of tribute at the start. I mean, the game got delayed, I mean, 20, 25 minutes as yeah. a result of that, um, which, again, I, I'm very understandable. But it just meant the whole time, even every time out, it's a Kobe highlight. Exactly. Like, it just, it just felt as though it was tough to play that day. And I, LeBron, that's probably one of the more passive games. Maybe we'll talk about the Houston game after that. But we will speak about one, one of the more passive games I've seen from LeBron. And, it, you know, understandable to some extent. But, yeah, Portland... Eight point win at, away from home Fantastic. with that team. Well done to them. And um, we had a chat with Dame after the game. Uh, he spoke about the win against the Lakers, uh, but more he spoke about the tribute to Kobe and how he approached the game. Obviously, having a very Mamba mentality night and how that played in for him. So let's have a chat with Dame Lillard about this. Number one team in the West right now on the road, and I'm really proud of that. But I don't think uh, you know anybody feels like we walked away as a, as a winner tonight. You know, given the circumstances and um, the memories that we'll take away from us, you know, just sad, uh, just tough. You know, I think uh, it's, it's tough, you know, from an emotional standpoint. But uh, he's he's worthy. You know, more than more than worthy. That type of love and that type of uh, respect and that type of honor that was given to him, you know, the first game since it happened, you know, it was only right. And, uh, compared to what his family has to deal with, you know, his, his closest friends have to deal with, us having to, you know, honor him in that way and then play a game is, is a small thing. You know, I think for what we do in our careers, this, this is what we do. And uh, being arguably the, the toughest competitor to ever play the game, like it was only right for us to pay our respect pre-game and then go out there and honor him by compete, you know, at a, at a higher level. I thought uh, both teams did that. Uh, I mean, I know at the half, we, I thought we played a pretty pretty solid first half, and um, I know it was going to be tough to come in here and uh, pull a win out. So uh, I just wanted to come out and be aggressive and assertive in the third quarter um, because usually that's an opportunity uh, to let the game get away from you. You know, another team's floor, a team that plays fast-paced like they do. Um, with the, the ability that they have, you know, they can come out and jump on you in that third quarter. I'm a big Dame fan, Harry. Yeah, look, he's he's a fantastic player and he really went on a tear. Um, so that was our first game. That's where we started off yep. with everything. So now let's head all the way to Houston on our whirlwind tour where we saw the Pelicans in Houston and got our first look at Zion Williamson. Mm. So this game as well was our first real look live in person on not only Zion, but the small ball lineup, which at the time we were like, oh, Clint Capella's injured. We saw him shooting before the game. Let's see how it works. Yep. Little did we know. It's funny because we saw the game pre the trade and then yep. post the trade as well. Um, and Houston looked good. Yeah. They really did. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I thought the first three quarters of this game, 
they struggled to some extent. I mean, they looked good given the fact that the rebounding advantage to the Pelicans was about plus 20. But in that game, honestly, Rockets for me should have lost. They should have. And the only reason I say that is when you have that kind of rebounding advantage for the Pelicans, I don't know how you lose. But it's very easy how you lose because it's all turnovers. Now, we spoke to Alvin Gentry all about, you know, what it meant finishing the game without giving the ball to Zion and what it meant with all the turnovers um, and where the turnovers came from. So let's have a listen to what he had to say about the game. Uh, that's, that's where the game yeah, uh, really. Uh, and, and really the most disappointing thing is, is that through all of that, uh, we had a chance in the fourth quarter and uh, we just we didn't execute. We didn't do what we were supposed to do. And, you know, it being said, uh, Zion can't go four minutes without touching the basketball and that's on me you know that that's something that I've got to make sure that that will never happen again and so uh, you know I take responsibility for that uh, and if we're not going to get it to him and we're not going to execute then we got to have different people in the game and that that's on me also so I'm really disappointed because I thought we just you know I had to take an early time out right from the start and we didn't have the right approach to the game from an energy standpoint uh, we didn't have a, uh, the right approach to the game from, a, from just from an execution standpoint. So uh, it's very disappointing. Uh, you know, we went through stretches again where we played well and did what we were supposed to do, and I thought uh, we executed fine. But uh, but over the course of the game, uh, you know, we didn't play the type of basketball that's deserving of a win on the road. Not on the road. We just didn't. No, you got to throw him the damn basketball. I mean, it has nothing to do with playing together, figuring it out. He's got an advantage, and we've got to find a way to get him the basketball down there. So I'm not buying the playing together or, or, or figuring out or anything like that. You know, that we have to have him have touches in the fourth quarter. You know, if not, then there's no reason for us to have him in the game. And so, and that's not going to happen either. So we have to we have to get the basketball to him. He's a willing passer. You know, uh, uh, I, I like our chances when he's got it down there because I think he's going to make the right play, and we didn't do that. And and you can't have you know you can't have 30 points off your turnovers and think you're going to beat a good basketball team. You know you can get away with it you know every now and then, but you know we're shooting 64 percent for most of the first half, and you know we're trailing in the game, and so that that just tells me that. You know, what we were doing as far as executing and turning the ball over uh, is absurd. It's just ridiculous. It, it really was. This is as disappointing as I've been this year from the standpoint of doing what we're supposed to do. They were not forced. Most of our turnovers is curliness on, curlishness on our part. And, you know, this team is not a team that uh, forces a ton of turnovers either. So uh, we just got to play. Uh, we got to value the basketball more. We got to value the basketball more. We got to value possessions more. You know, when there's a discrepancy of 25 points between our points off turnovers and their points off turnovers, you put yourself in a very, very difficult situation to win a game at home. You know, uh, let alone you know trying to win a game on the road. Man, he wasn't happy, Harry. No, he was. He was. Fu- I've never seen a coach so furious as Alvin Gentry at the end of the game. But for me. At, at the end of the day, they deserved to lose. They didn't give Zion the ball in the paint, and he said he trusted his teammates, and we'll hear from him shortly. But I'm going to be honest, Houston should not have won. No. 
no. at all. Um, what what to you was the the standouts from the game besides Brandon Ingram definitely being an all star? Oh, look, I, I was really really curious to see how that small ball lineup would start. I mean, Harden mm-hmm. was basically defending the set. Harden jumped for the ball, <laughs> and he jumped for the ball against the Lakers against and he did, against and he did as JaVale. well. Javale McGee, like I mean. He was playing point center effectively. Zion starts with a few turnovers, but really, Rockets did not start the game well. Two of thirteen on offense. Um, without Harden, they looked lost uh, to some extent. But really, it was the turnovers. Mm. Ten in the first quarter for the Pels. Harden goes for fourteen points, and somehow the Rockets are up. Honestly, without the turnovers, the Pels should be up by more. At the the Pels should have won this game, fair and simple. Like realistically. Drew Holiday didn't have a great game, but he was okay. Zion was pretty decent. Brandon Ingram was great. Mm. They're out-rebounding. Derek Favors in the second half, you could see the difference in style. He starts getting the rebounds more. He yep. puts it up, gets like seven quick points. Yep. And I think this is this is what's going to kill Houston. And we'll speak about it more with, with the Lakers game. They just didn't have enough defense in this game to really stop the rebound. They were getting out-rebounded left, right, and center. For the first three quarters. For the first three quarters until the fourth. So this is the really interesting thing because the Pels in the third, that was their best quarter. And the Pels actually were up at three-quarter time yeah. by one, 93-92. Yeah. Really what changed that third quarter? Ingram got hot, scored yeah. 16 points in that quarter. Harden, I mean, was still going well, but it was really the Ingram show at that point. And as we had discussed, yeah. watching him live in person, I get why he's an all-star. He is fantastic. But you know what interested me more is... Look, watching Zion run up and down the floor. Oh man, that guy, that guy runs in a in a, a way. weird way. And there's nothing wrong with how he runs. It's just the way that he runs. But it looks off. I'm worried about this kid. Um, all about if he's going to sustain. But we can speak about that in future weeks. But this game was definitely a Brandon Ingram esque game. Absolutely. So the funny thing is, at three quarter time, the Pelicans have a thirty rebound advantage of the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Thirty rebounds. Yeah. They're only up by one. What happens in this, four, in this fourth quarter? I don't know how this changed. The Pelicans start losing the rebounds. Yeah. And the Rockets go from being a down 30 to only down 20. So the Rockets won the fourth quarter rebound battle by 10. But there was one player that made the difference because he was knocking down shots, and that's Daniel House Jr. He did. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Great guy. We will hear from him very shortly. But hits, hits a three with about one minute to go, kind of ends the game. But it's funny as well. Pels missed their last 11 three-point shots. Mm-hmm. Two, in the, last couple of, in the last couple of minutes, free throws. They missed three out of five free throws. Would have seen them level at that point. Yeah. And in the last two minutes, Rockets pull away, end up winning by eight points. It was, it was a messy game to finish with. I don't think it was the best play by either team. Um, but this is the world that Houston's now living in. Zion is still trying to fit in. Um, with the team, with the Pels, and the Pels still don't know what they're doing. We thought they were going to be huge traders, maybe Drew Holiday, maybe JJ Redick. Nothing, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Um, so do they stagnate? Do they make playoffs? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, we had a chat with Zion about uh, what needed to happen at the end of the game, and this is what he had to say. Um, you know, I think it's just one of those situations where I trust my teammates. Uh, they felt like what they did you know, was the right play, and I don't fault them nothing they did. Um, I think they're all good shots that they feel comfortable with. So, it's something we got to learn. Let's move on. They just got them. You know, some, in some situations, the ball bounced their way, but uh, I think we would you know, test and then kind of leak out a bit. That was our problem. So, we spoke to Ingram as well um, about what was the key to getting back into the game and um, how, how you change 
for the next game yep. and what you do against the Bucks. I think uh, we could execute it a little bit better, um, taking care of the basketball. Maybe you know, six or seven turnovers a night. Uh, Got to be uh, a little more crisp in the fourth quarter. They locked them in on my shots and, and locked them down and putting people in a good position and knock their shots down. Uh, I think just the execution was, was kind of bad at the end of the game, but it's all correct. How do you change your mindset before the next game to get to get ready against the Bucks? Uh, just forget about this one. Uh, the Lux rehab is we play 82 games in the season, so uh, go back and watch them and see it. Watch this and see how we can get better, and then come to Will um, come to our home court and play Milwaukee and uh, try to give them the, our best shot. I mean, overall for me, I. As I said, I can I can understand the disappointment there because I think Ingram personally had a great game that game. But every game he's having a great game. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the issue there is that I don't think he has the supporting cast at the moment. Zion will probably get there. Maybe Lonzo has to take another step up one mm. day. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's not clicking as of yet. Um, we did speak to Drew Holiday as, as the veteran of the team about what it meant to have that veteran voice and, and the issues that they had in the game. Yep. As, as one of the veteran voices in the team, what do you say to get the young guys like focused in the game? Um, Honestly, I think they're pretty focused, to be completely honest. Um, yeah, sometimes it uh, it's hard to contain James and, and, and Russ, and, uh, and at that point we, we kind of have to let the other guys... Um, don't let them score. Uh, so, but when it comes to I think effort and, and locking in, I, I felt like they did a great job. Bi came out of play. Uh, Lonzo did great. Um, honestly, Jay Hart, big minutes, big big shots. Um, a lot a lot of good energy. So, yeah, I think they did a good job. Yeah, they they weren't making this turnover. Um, I think a lot of it we we're trying to do the right thing, make the right plays. But <clears throat> sometimes you know it's just I can't explain it. Uh, it, it just it just happens that way where uh, you try to make it the right play and it ends up being a turnover or even I think for me he's trying to dribble and it just slipped out my hand or a pass to Etwan that slips out his hand so little things like that could be frustrating but <clears throat> at the end of the game we still were in the game so. But to be fair, Harry, my favourite interview out of the whole Pearls locking room, locker room because this was again Super Bowl Sunday that we that we'd gone to this game was. Derek, with Derek Favors. So we chatted with him a little bit um, about, you know, what changed at the end of the game. But most importantly, we asked who would win the Super Bowl. Turns out he didn't care. No. Uh, he was very indifferent. Yes. He's a, <laughs> he's a Falcons fan. Um, and he was like, 49ers, who cares? Yes. Uh, but we chatted with him anyway, and this is what he had to say. They probably just out-rebounded us in the last couple of minutes. And, um, you know, they're a good team, so they can't really give them those second-chance shots. And, um... <clears throat> I mean, they're a good team. They got a lot of good players over there. So I think at the end, they just out, out hustled us on the, on the boards. Yeah. For you, it was a lot of small ball in the game. How did you respond to that? Um, um, some, you know, non-traditional centers. Right. Um, I mean, you just got to adjust to it. I know the way the new NBA is, they don't really want to post up, which is no problem. But you got to um, just got to find a way to make your impact. And I think for me, I did on, on the defensive end as far as like just um, showing the crowd in the paint and making sure I get back out to the shooters and just, you know, rebounding the ball and just try to find a way to make a positive impact. So I think, you know, when they um, when that team goes small like that, you know, for a big, you just got to find a way to make it a positive impact. Yeah. How much how much is it the learning process for you with having Zion now and the starting to run up? Uh, I think it's a adjustment for everybody. You know, you play 30, 40 games, and then, you know, got a guy like that who comes in, 
um, <laughs> midway through the season. So it's a it's an adjustment period for for everybody. Really, you gotta you know um, guys who normally get touches and shots, and some of them go away because you know you gotta uh, bring them in and rotations get different. So I mean, just something you just gotta. Everything goes through it. So it's just something you gotta just adjust to it and um, just find a way to just figure stuff out. And who do you have for the Super Bowl when you win all today? Man, you know what? Uh, um, I'm a Falcons fan. I know I shouldn't be saying that. Anymore, you know, so. But this one, um, I don't really have a, a team in it. I don't really care who wins, but um, I know my family and friends, you know, I probably, I say I go with um, the 49ers. Thanks, so, you know, I, I don't really care. <laughs> So we then moved on to the locker room of, of Houston and we spoke to PJ Tucker, James Harden and Daniel House Jr. who had the big night. Um, and it was interesting, everyone's asking about how it feels playing with Zion. Um, and PJ Tucker was also asked about small ball, which he's going to get a lot of because he's yeah. only 6'5", right? Yeah. Um, he's a big unit, but he's 6'5". So we chatted with him about, you know, playing small ball and his thoughts on Zion. Tough, <laughs> tough. Like I said, it was emphasis on the game. I knew we had the box out. We played pretty good defense for the most part. Uh, and with the switching, we get a couple of mismatches down. Uh, so we all got to box out. Uh, something that we got to do every game with all the switching that we do. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, physical player. Uh, he's athletic. Uh, so that's the thing when you're really strong, as big as he is, to be that athletic. Uh, and you can't give him an edge. The lefties are always a little tricky uh, with the angle. So um, being strong, really. Myself, you, you, you want to be able to try to match physicality, but at the same time, understand how athletic he is. So, he's going to be a good player. So, we spoke to Harden as well about stopping turnovers, the small ball, and the impact of Daniel House. You know, I think we did a good job of limiting our turnovers. Uh, we had a couple, but not enough to where they can get on transition and do what they do best. So, um, they're a good team. Yeah, I think all of us, though. All of us. And then uh, it's open up uh, shot opportunities for all of us, and uh, we're doing a good job of that. Huge. He had a lot of opportunities in the first two quarters that uh, you know he usually makes, and uh, he still had that same confidence in the fourth quarter and knocking down. It was a, uh, it's kind of key for us. Yeah, and I honestly having an uh, interviewing Daniel House is one of the highlights for me in that locker room. <laughs> yeah. That man you is a funny guy. Love him. He was a great guy. Good banter. Um, and you even got to ask him a question or two. Yeah. No, I I think the main thing for me is that Daniel House with Clint Capella not there, and obviously the trade with Robert Covington not having been finalized at that point. How he found playing the role of Clint Capella and what changed for him, which was really interesting to hear. Oh, it feels good. It's always it's always a good feeling to hear the shot, but it's, it's an even better feeling when you win. So I'm more excited about winning and the team team the team as a whole collectively how how we came together and put pieces together, even though we was missing and things weren't going the way that we wanted them to go. How much did your role change with Capella being out today? Uh, I became CC. Roll, dive, uh, which is no problem. I do anything that it takes for us to win. So I'm willing to be the sacrifice of the lamb to make sure that this team wins. So, so after that, we on our whirlwind tour, we headed off to New Orleans for Pelicans vs. Bucks. Our first look at Giannis Antetokounmpo in the flesh against Zion William, and of course, our favorite. Brooke Lopez. So the buck, the Bucks won big with this one, 120 to 108, behind a 42 point third quarter. What for you were the keys to to this game? Interesting again, Harry, because I, the start of the game, the first minute, guess what happened? Two turnovers yeah. for the Pels, and I said, "Oh, here we go again." But then it changed. They limited it. They, they definitely limited it. did. But then the heat, the three started hitting. 
for the Pels. And Lonzo in that first quarter goes three of four. Ingram hits his first two, and they're up by four. Obviously, Giannis v. Zion was the matchup we all wanted to see. And early on, Zion couldn't bully Giannis like he could bully some other players. Zion uses his frame to his advantage and credit all to him. Against Giannis, it didn't work. doesn't work. And Giannis gets that big block in the first... Uh, or maybe it was the second quarter, and, and the crowd just erupts like Abs- it was absolutely. crazy. The interesting thing is the Pels at one stage go up um, by seven in that first quarter. Brandon Ingram again starts the game so strongly with 13 points. But the key for me was Pelicans were hitting everything. Bucks had shot only 22% from three, but and they were only down seven. Still in it, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing with the Bucks is that even when they're not shooting well, they have enough pieces, and we'll hear about it later from Giannis, when, like, Matthews is hitting a three, like, they space the floor, they bring, like, Kyle Korver in, space it more, even when the Eric Bledsloe not going great. Chris Middleton, though, was hitting everything that game. He was, like, oh. what, seven of 11? He was... The second quarter was the Middleton show because yeah. I think, again, the Bucks kind of struggling from, from deep. They're only 24% at halftime from three. Still struggling from, from, from there. But Middleton, that mid-range, my God, no one could stop him in that yeah. team. Um, Pelicans stay hot. Zion is getting a lot of the ball, but a lot of inconsistency in what he was doing. He had his worst shooting night. He was like 5 of 19, but he still had about 20 points. And the biggest play was when he ripped the ball off Giannis. Mm. I think Zion, if he loses... I don't know, 40 pounds and like gets a bit slimmer, he could be Giannis-esque. I think about think about how Giannis came into the league, so scrawny, LeBron, so scrawny. Zion's already got that pounds. Like yeah. he, he can back people down. It's very interesting you say that because when we're going to be playing for you the uh, interview with Giannis, a reporter did ask the question, you and, Gian- you and Zion had similar frames and Giannis goes, did we? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> no, you, we didn't. And, no, didn't. And look, and that's an interesting thought uh, because they're very different in size, but the explosiveness of Zion, I think I just want to speak about this just for a moment. I think Zion could be one of the best players in the NBA if he stays healthy. He's so explosive. He's always on the offensive boards. He can bully anyone in. Granted, he's zero from five after hitting the first four threes in his career. I think he can be phenomenal, but I'm, I'm wary mm. whether he makes makes it yeah absolutely i mean in this game even with zion shooting effort the rest of the team was on fire in that mm. first half i mean they were up by three against the bucks the bucks again shot terribly then, from three then it stops dropping and this is the issue with the pels is once it stops dropping who do they go to and it's what we spoke about yes with the bucks they go with Giannis. so in the third Giannis goes ham yes he goes absolutely nuts gets all the points does really well who do the pelicans go to the answer should be brandon ingram when he's off the floor, though, yeah, but he's not aggressive enough, and that's that's and this thing. is the issue that we saw that closing out the game, you should give it to Ingram. He should be running the place, but he's not. You've got everyone passing around, which is great, but like, you need someone to be like, no, this is my team. It's like what LeBron does, what he did against the Spurs the other week, just hitting threes. You need someone to be like, no, yeah. we're winning this game. That's it. Exactly. Very Zion, co- mamba mentality. And Zion's too young for that, I think, at this point in time, which is... Played like 20 games. Of course he's too young. Exactly. Um, and the thing is, is that the the problem that I've got with the team is that I think there is too sim- there's too much similarity in that team yeah. between Alonso and a Drew as well. I mean, Drew struggled terribly in this game, yeah. shooting. After the um, game, he was putting up shot after shot after shot. We, we were watching him, yeah, for a good 15, 20 minutes after the game yeah. because he realised that... He was pretty trash, to be honest, offensively. Great defensively. Offensively did not offer anything. But then again, 
that second half, Lonzo couldn't hit anything. No. And then what do you do? Because if you've got Lonzo and Drew hitting, not hitting shots, Ingram's off the floor, then you're relying on players like Melly and Redick, who did come back in that fourth. Melly was okay. Melly was okay. It was okay in this game. I think the issue with, with the Pelicans is they're too young and they don't have enough security. They, they don't know how it works yet. And let's compare that to the Bucks. The Bucks are a fun team. They're not fun to watch. They're not the most exciting team in the no. world besides Giannis. Like, Chris Middleton had a quiet, what, like 22 points? Yep. But you wouldn't have noticed if you weren't at the game. Did you notice Giannis is 32 and 12? In the, in you know the what? No. Records. But yeah. he's still an emphatic player that yeah. people like to watch. I think the Bucks get it done. They are a good team. Yeah. I'd say the best team in the league after watching them play. I think them and the Clippers are very even for best team in the league. Um... But the difference is the Bucks are having fun. Their locker room was joyous. The WWE at the beginning of the game, again, like it's just the environment mm. they play with. The Brook Lopez behind the back pass to oh. Chris Middleton. Like, you know, it's clicking on all cylinders and the Bucks are having fun. When Absolutely. you go into a team's locker room and they're, they're joking around, like they're talking about like games that they're playing, just like messing about, like George Hill's in on it. Chris Dante DiVincenzo. He's in on it. Brooke is in it. Giannis is getting into it. That's what you want. That's the camaraderie that you want. I think it's all because of Mike as well. Mike Budenhoser, yeah. he, he definitely makes the team like that. And this game was, I mean, it was a classic Milwaukee win. They come from behind. It was... It was- a half of we're not playing well, but we're still in it. Yeah. To we turn it on for one quarter, which they go up by 15 at three-quarter time. Pell's going to run behind, you know, home court support. Zion gets fired up. Zion gets taken out of the game in that fourth quarter. It ends. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... that was the game. And Bucks, because of that camaraderie, because of that teamwork, because they're a seasoned veteran team, mm-hmm. went through that run, got their lead back up, and end up closing that game out. Yeah, so we spoke to Mike Bud um, about what he thought about the team, the unselfish play, and his thoughts on Zion as well. Yeah, no, it's just good basketball. They're playing unselfishly. They're making great reads. You know, one of the ones, Giannis is running as hard as he can down the middle of the court, creates the corner three for, for West. you know, so it's nobody will see or know what Giannis did, but it's, you know, a great pass by Chris, a great shot by West, but without guys that run, without bigs that are fast. Um, but, you know, there's just, like you said, lots of sequences where guys are making great passes, great reads, bled to Brook on the lob. You know, it's a lot of good stuff. Um, so, you know, good players. Yeah, I thought Giannis was very good. Um, you know, they put out some different lineups where Ingram kind of bumps down to the four, and so he has to guard him some, and, you know, a lot of Williamson. And Brooke, I thought Brooke did a great job on Williamson, too, and then Giannis kind of has a weak side help against Williamson's drives. Um, you know, but I, overall, you know, Giannis is, was really good defensively. His versatility helps us a ton. Yeah, you know, he's a handful. Um, you know, he's just so athletic, so explosive. Um, you know, he drives bigs off the dribble and can spin and finish or just go through guys and finish. You know, guys to the free throw line 14 times. That's You know, if you can do that, you're going to be a, a big-time scorer. So, you know, overall, very impressed by him. He's a great young player. We then spoke to the MVP himself, Giannis Antetokounmpo, about what changed in the third quarter to get that lead. Um, and, of course... More, more thoughts on Zion and, and one-on-one defense um, in his mind. I think we came out aggressive, uh, removed the ball, we were able to um, rebound the ball and uh, run uh, our lanes and uh, get up the shots. And at the end of the day, we, uh, I think we knocked them down. That's why we were able to uh, be, plus, I think, plus 18. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, great third quarter. I'll be a good, really good player for a lot of years to come. He's out there helping the team win. Just competing as hard uh, as possible. Um, you just gotta stay healthy and uh, you're gonna have a bright future. 
you know, I love it. You know, I love it. And um, this year I haven't uh, a lot of opportunity to do that. Um, I'm more like a, the guy that is behind the defense uh, and try to be active, try to go block a shot late or try to go rebound. But, you know, I take pride in that, you know. And uh, whenever I have the opportunity to guard the guy one-on-one, I like it. And then we asked Zion all about, you know, what do you think about guarding Giannis and how that, that felt for him? Hey, he's the former MVP. It's like going up against any great player, like, do as much as you can to slow him down. I mean, obviously, going back into the Bucks locker room, that was, as you've already mentioned, that locker Fantastic. room was great. We did get to speak to Chris Middleton, um, and I think we spoke about the fact that the energy differences mm. in that second half of the game, and also yeah. what his thoughts on Zion were as well. I don't know, honestly. I mean, I think we knew, you know, in halftime coming in, that we just didn't play with enough energy to beat this team. Uh, so we just tried to take it to uh, another step. Oh, he's a beast, man. He's going to have a, a heck of a career. He's a smart player. Um, you know, he creates so much force in that paint with the ball in his hands. He's got to, you know, he's going to learn. I think how to be a better player also, which is a scary thing to see. And then we finished off speaking to Brooke Lopez, um, who was always the best guy to interview. He spoke about Zion and just the Bucks having fun. Uh, obviously, his combination of size and speed and agility, uh, it makes it tough. He's so great at uh, getting downhill, uh, using his strength, uh, and being able to stop, you know, and, and move quickly from that situation. Uh, it definitely makes it a difficult cover. It's just, we're, we're having fun out there, you know, and again, we just have great trust in one another, and it just comes off our defense. Uh, you know, I don't know if Coach Debbie said to us, we, our defense kind of built up this entire game. Um, we did a great job of coming out in the third quarter and getting stops and just playing off the stops and playing in transition. And, you know, I think you can tell we were just having a lot of fun out there. The most important conversation that we had with him, and this is... Tell the Australian, tell the Guardian, we have a new Prime Minister. So in August, when, when we were at the Games, Canada versus USA, we spoke, to, um, we spoke to Brooke about being Prime Minister, running for Prime Minister. They love him in Australia. Yep. So we asked six months on, how do you feel about still going for Prime Minister? And what did he say to us, Will? He said to him, he's very happy to, but he just wants to understand how he can get the role and what he needs to do. And I said... Brooke, you have to play and live in Australia for five years so that you can get citizenship and then apply for prime ministership. Perfect. He just comes to the NBL, revitalize it. Imagine Brooke Lopez in the NBL. Uh, Sydney Kings, listen to me. I have <laughs> recruited for you. I've told him. You're not even taking a fee. I'm not even take a worry. fee. If I see Brooke Lopez play for Sydney Kings, I will go to every single game. I'm making a <laughs> vow. I think they would sell out the entire season. But you know what Brooke said is that he can't do it alone. He needs a cabinet of well-hearted, good Australian people. We're talking Patty Mills. We're talking Delhi. We're talking Ingalls. We're, we're talking, talking Bogues. We are talking Bogut. So this is who he said that would be part. And he was very keen. So let's start a petition. We need Brooke Lopez as our Prime Minister. I think he would... He'd be fantastic. Oh, Everything he does it'd is be a just... Laugh a, it'd be a laugh a minute. It'd be fantastic. Um, guys, thanks for joining us. That's the first half of the games that we've been going through from the NBA. Um, check out our next episode that will come out in a couple of days for Clippers Heat with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, um, and of course, Eric Spolstra. Mm. And then we've got the Lakers versus Houston, which was the first big game for the small ball lineup post-trade um, post post deadline, tra trade deadline. Um, so keep your ears out for that we'll be back in just a couple of days going to be a lot of episodes coming out this week um, with our final games from the NBA did you call back